Another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 348, aka Year 7, Week 45, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS and ML. ML. All right. right. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, Kind of a a different uh, show this week than we normally because we have you here, ML, uh, specifically to talk about what? uh, Anarchism in Colombia? Yes. All right, so I will I will open the floor with you, and you just tell us what's up, and we'll, we'll have the discussion from there. Wonderful. Well, I'm here in Hawaii right now, visiting. Um, I'm sorry to hear that, first of all. Socialist paradise. It's actually very chilly. I was hoping at least a bit of sun. But. Oh, no, you, you, showed up, you showed up right in time for the blizzard. I don't know if they I told know, you. like I, I, th- I think I brought she it with brought me. She brought it. I brought it. I think I brought it all the way from the East Coast. I'm a digital nomad, and I've been I've been a libertarian since I was born. I was born. Wow. Uh, I believe in freedom, radically in freedom. So of course, uh, anarchism in every stage and every um, yeah place on my life, not only economically but also in relationships and um, in living. Okay. And so, what's the what is the situation in Colombia then, and what brought you to Hawaii? Are you just visiting, or are you on a one of the nomad tours, traveling around? Um, yeah, I'm on a nomad tour, also getting to see a bit more and knowing a bit more about the American market, especially with everything that is going on on the world. I have to be honest that I'm a bit concerned, and I have my reservations about the future of democracy and liberty in the U.S. Um, but we'll see how that goes. I think COVID has really messed up all of our uh, legal systems, uh, politicians, and it's just an excuse to uh, implement more power. And now more than ever, we as citizens, we have to take, uh, as human beings, we have to take a stand and have um, security measures against um, central power. Okay. Um, As a digital nomad uh, traveling, that's also like very interesting to see in different countries how this develops and the... um, how this can affect economy as well as free trade as well. So, so what, now I'm on a tour going to see the U.S. as well. And I mean, and regarding that, how is the situation in Colombia? You'll have to be a bit more specific. Well, you, you brought up the COVID measures and the uh, overbearing government power here in the United States. But I'm, I, I'm sure that with the other locations that you visited, you might have some, uh, I guess, boots on the ground information on what's going on there. So... I'm, I share your concern about the United States, um, but how is it compared to other places that you have visited? Like, where else have you been, and how does that compare to Colombia? Actually, the U.S. is my first destination after COVID started. Okay. Um, I was living in, first in Bogota, in Colombia, and then in Medellin. And in Medellin, there's a huge uh, digital nomad community. So I didn't get boots on ground, as you're saying, but we did get a lot of information from other travelers. Um, Colombia was very close at the beginning um all of the economic measures and as well as um 
government believing that citizens weren't smart enough to self-regulate. Uh, they put a lot of um, quarantines and restrictions, so this affect, of course, uh, uh, economy in the country. And right now we are seeing the result of that. Um, it has degraded and uh, security has also been compromised because people don't have any other options. And on top of that, you also have the situation with Venezuela that only adds on people desperately uh, searching for ways of living and sometimes um, also engaging in violence because there's no other other options. So uh, ah, things see. are looking brightly at least. People are, I, I, f I feel waking up and being at least what I feel my my uh, generation versus my same same generation here in the U.S. versus Colombia, millennials are feel that are waking up more and being more um, maybe assertive and also saying, "Hey, this is not okay." So um, in Colombia, I do feel that young young people are standing up against and looking for other ways to do things um, regarding all the all the restrictions. You mentioned right. the, the influx of Venezuelans. Is it, are they calling for a closing down of the borders and keeping out all those dirty Venezuelans from entering in? No, actually, no. I mean, you have that. Some some people think like that, but it's not the majority. Um, seeing people in that situation and you being able to help. Um, and in Colombia, we're very open to help always. Um I guess very voluntarist if, if you if you wish. Uh, so no, we're not asking f to close uh, the um, the borders, but we mo more most people are asking um, government to take measures against. Um, there are a lot of layers and a lot of ways to see the situation because it's not only the COVID situation and the economic situation, uh, but it's also socialism and communism and drug war and how there, at least the uh, regime in Venezuela is uh, feeding on uh, the money from drugs uh, from guerrillas in Colombia. So there's a lot of layers and it's it's sometimes not as simple as uh, they they try to sell it on, on media. I'd well. like to comment on this. Uh, I was so impressed when I was there in Colombia that uh, when, when Colombia was experiencing the terrible drug wars with the FARC and the government and paramilitaries and all. Death rates were high and the economy was bad. And as I understand it, about three million Colombians uh, were displaced and fled to Venezuela when the economy was doing well in Venezuela before Hugo Chavez and, and the, you know, the socialist uh, disaster. Then when things finally settled down and got peaceful and prosperous in Colombia, they came back and then things got worse in Venezuela and over a million, maybe a, maybe as many as two million refugees from Venezuela fled to Colombia. And they were welcomed. In both cases, they welcomed them as like uh, brothers in a sense. Um, something unparalleled in other places. You know, the United States, I wish the United States had such a, a friendly and welcoming attitude towards neighbors in trouble. Um, well, they might have it towards Canadians. Same. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, but at any rate, it was it was a remarkable uh, acceptance and uh, embrace of of human beings that were in in trouble, and I, I it's uh, really tragic that uh, more countries, Europe included, uh, 
uh, don't accept immigrants. And one of the things that uh, could help, too, is allowing them to work once they get in. And that's another thing that Columbia did. They said, okay, you're, you're certified um, here to, um, to work. And so they can support themselves. I feel sometimes when we when we speak about anarchism and being an anarcho-capitalist, people think that you're ruthless, that you don't have a heart, and that you only want chaos. Uh, but actually, the first thing about being an anarcho-capitalist and having the anarchist experience is being a good human being and remembering that in front of you and there's another human being that might be having a tough time. And if there's something that you can do to help other people, you'll do it because we believe also in agreements and... Um, voluntary kindness and I believe Colombia and Venezuela right now are an example of that um, sure I, I will defend the other position though and says like that's not a requirement it's just a good example oh yeah it's a right? good example of course it's not there's a, a lot of people that I care not to help example. and I won't right? <laughs> like I just you, you if can Bernie go Sanders showed up at your doorstep <laughs> you would leave him out to freeze <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm that the problem guy. with the socialist view is that they help the ones that their eye is on, the target. For example, they'll say, well, we're going to help the, the union worker. But by doing so, they cut out all the non-union workers and people all over around the, around the world who are disadvantaged by the rules and regulations they put in place that um, you know, make life more difficult for people even in greater despa- desperation. I mean, if, if Bernie Sanders really believed in his uh, sympathy at all costs, he would uh, give away all of his wealth to the people in, in Uganda. <laughs> he doesn't have to have more than all of the people in the rest of the world. Well, okay, so here's the thing. That's why Bernie Sanders is not just a socialist. He is a national socialist. <laughs> <laughs> because he wants all of that stuff well, just for people in the United States. There's plenty of people in the U.S. that are way poorer than him. So, <laughs> Understood. But he doesn't want he uh, he is like on record as saying he doesn't want to help other countries, just socialism oh, sure. yeah. in America, like mm-hmm. socialism for this nation. You know, you guys can suffer on your own out there. And I'm pretty sure his rationale behind that is because it's he understands that the burden is too great to help those other countries, right? Yeah. I, I have a feeling that uh, a lot of countries in the world fo- follow what the U.S. does. And the latest example is the COVID restrictions. I think if the U.S. didn't follow China uh, with the lockdowns, that maybe Colombia and maybe a lot of the rest of the world wouldn't have uh, done some of these measures. Sure. And in taking it a step further, um, a lot of the universities in in the U.S. are are leaning heavily Marxist and communist, and, and that has an effect on the rest of the world too. They, they think, Oh, this is what's popular and cool. And they're following it blindly without questioning it because, well, the, it's the, you know, the most successful people in the U S that are championing, championing these ideas. And so anyway, that's really sad. I, I don't know what the solution is, um, except, you know, to end the idea of, uh, the, the illusion of authority, you know, the U S right. Isn't going to be on top forever. And maybe it's going to be El Salvador with their new, you know, Bitcoin city. I don't know, but that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I, I want to add on that because I've been thinking a lot about this and it's no longer, we're living in a world without barriers already, but you're saying anything, any decision made in any part of the world can potentially affect the rest of us. 
in many ways, and we can no longer rely on the systems that we have right now, the democracies or so-called democracies or the countries or uh, politicians. We can no longer rely on them because they don't know what the fuck they're doing anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the, the, the only, more than the idea is, of course, promoting the idea of decentralization and people we owning back our power and having the systems in place um uh, protecting ourselves uh through blockchain having uh, conver- uh network networks beyond our own like country um and that's what i found on the on the digital nomad community people who don't want to be in one place or just being called one nationality. Um, so there are many, many things now. And I've seen now there's this project called Plumian. I know there's several of them trying to create uh, countries, digital countries, in which you can um, pay your, for example, pension or have healthcare that is going to be uh, useful in any part of the world. And I think that's one of the solutions, starting to create in competition to the government. Because if, we, if we're going to be... Uh, pro-freedom, libertarians, uh, anarchists, um, we have to start making competition to the government up front and, and being upfront about it because uh, sooner or later, all of these systems are going to fall and we have the chance to either make that a simple transition or a very hard, painful transition. And I feel that today we get the chance to prepare for those transitions and protect ourselves. Oh, she's a prepper too. So my con- <laughs> my concern with that is always when, when is it going to fall, right? Like I'm, you know, the the whole uh, agorist ideal of building up the parallel economy uh, to take over when the you know the the current economy crashes and fails is great in theory, and it's a noble goal and cause to work towards, right? But do we do we have to wait? Like we don't have to wait. Okay. We have to prepare to make it happen. That's the whole point. Let's uh, let's start like having uh, Bitcoin uh, invest in cryptocurrencies. Let's start having healthcare insurance that is not attached to one country. Uh, start saving um, for your retirement, not in the traditional sense that, for example, in Colombia you have to like pay pension. Uh, obligatory even if you're not there um start finding the ways to not pay as many taxes because it's not gonna again i'm saying it can be a painful process if we wait for it to happen or we can uh, make it happen peacefully and voluntarily taking taking back taking back the power Uh, at least that's the way i feel it and i i think we can be successful by prepping for that i don't know if that's too optimistic of me or too naive but (laughs) Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to generally say a little of both, and that's okay, right? It's it's great to have a goal and something to work towards. Uh, I'm just, I'm impatient when it comes to these things. So I was having a conversation with someone here um, several weeks ago, I think. I don't know if we talked about it on here. And there's, a, there's an article in the New Hampshire Constitution, because I'm in New Hampshire, if you didn't know, ML. There's an article in the New Hampshire Constitution that is like the right to revolution clause, like Article 10 of the New Hampshire Constitution. It gives the, give the citizens of New Hampshire like the right to revolution. And it's not, it's not worded this way, but I, I think it's implied, right, that, you are, that the exercise of that clause um, is like the last-ditch effort, right? Like you, you must exhaust all other options 
before you can exercise this clause of the New Hampshire Constitution, which is the right to revolution. And so I'm talking to somebody, and I go like, well, what, what else must be done, right? And they go like, well, vote. Vote harder, right? <laughs> but, well, that didn't work last we time. We tried that already right. for many and so, years. Like. And so I go like, well, what else then? Well, you know, there's petition for redress, show up at the state house, protest, whatever. And I go, okay, good. So there's like seven people now right that can that can uh exercise their right to revolution under under you know under what we're talking about here and that's because there's a handful of activists that have you know they they voted right they voted harder in the next one they're going to vote harder again they show up to protest they petition and they have been removed without cause uh from public hearings right like they go well you you are not allowed to speak here even though they weren't being um belligerent right they they were they showed up peacefully they didn't they weren't chanting or protesting or doing anything disruptive uh, and there's video of this uh I, I couldn't point to you if i if i had to but i did i did see some video of this the the governor basically gave the deputies right like a wink and a nod and then all of a sudden a handful of people were just arrested and hauled out of the hearings <laughs> right we are not going to hear from you uh, i go okay so those people right like the 10 of them have exhausted all other alternatives uh, and now can exercise their right to revolution. But then it's it's 10 versus the state. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, that's still not going to work. So, like, you know, it seems to me that that theory um, looks good on paper, right? Like, ah, New Hampshire, right to revolution. Uh, but no one's, no one's willing to exercise it, and the question of how to exercise it is no one wants to talk about. No one wants to talk about it. And I think it's really funny that they have that on paper, like within the system. Right, because uh, that means that that again we were talking about this uh, with KS and saying the only alternative is black markets sometimes, and uh, the system is rigged. We're on a losing battle always if we want to play. I'm sorry if this is too uh, revolutionary of me, but we can play by the rules that we have right now. Again, like that in 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 New Hampshire, saying oh you have the right to, to for a revolution. The fact that it's on paper is like I don't believe it. Yeah, um, well, I'll read it to you. And we have to strive for more. I'll read it to you. And and the and the point is to have other systems in place, uh, make businesses off the table, and I know this sounds weird, but on black markets, because uh, there's no other way and there's no other option just to cut right. them off our money and or our resources, sure. and sometimes yeah. that implies going to other countries. Uh, doing other type of businesses, um, having second nationalities, uh, play the system, play the system. And you, you may not have uh, been made aware of this, uh, ML, but KS and MC, I'm sure you guys, because I've talked about it on here before, uh, the Crypto Six, right? There is a handful of uh, activists here in New Hampshire that in um, March of this year were raided by the FBI for basically um, – transacting in Bitcoin and facilitating Bitcoin sales. So even, even if you want to peacefully trade outside of their means, right, the U.S. dollar, if you do it too much and you do it too brazenly, uh, they will come after you, right? And they came, they, you know, they, they raided the studio, they raided the house with the Bearcat, right, the little, little you know, uh, police-level tank, right? They smashed the window, ripped out the window, flew drones in, right? Just because these people were trading in Bitcoin. So 
it's again, it's it's fun and games to talk about. And it's like, oh yeah, we're go- we're going to exit their system uh, to get away, and yet there is ample evidence that they won't yeah. let you. They, they they won't let you if you stay in the U.S. Of course, and you have to leave. When they shut down uh, the Liberty Dollar, Bernard von Nathaus was uh, charged with um, domestic terrorism yep. for undermining uh, the value of the American currency, <laughs> or the yep. U.S. dollar. And counterfeiting, and so, even though it looked completely different. Yeah, yeah, and and actually providing... I mean, what what counterfeiter produces a coin that's worth more than the currency that they claim that it's counterfeiting. I mean, that not that an, an absurdity that you think, well, you know, a counterfeiter, you're thinking he's going to take a piece of paper and try and turn it into a $100 bill. Yeah. But here, he's taking a, a, an ounce of gold and uh, producing uh, a $20 piece, which would be worth, um, you know, $40,000 if it was just the gold. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, so, uh, again, that was an early example of them going like, nope, this is the system, and you must play in it. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, well, I'm surprised that they haven't done more to shut down Bitcoin yet. Um, I'm, well, I'm surprised they're letting the dollar alternatives exist. So U.S. dollar tether, USDC, and a whole bunch of others. Um, they're they're stable coins. They they trade for exactly one dollar or close to it. Okay. Um, and and they some some of the federal regulation agencies looked at them and, and, and okayed them. They said, oh, okay, that's fine. They're basically doing what the banks do. So these are the new banks now, the <laughs> tether and these silly cryptocurrencies. Well, um, okay. I was, I was, I, I watch a lot of, of gun tube channels, right? And uh, I was watching a gun tuber uh, yesterday, I believe. And he was commenting on that he wants to build a firearm. Right, like, you know, rebuild one of these Call of Duty firearms since Call of Duty, like, mangled the execution of this in-game. And, you know, he's like, and I'm going to do it in its, you know, full auto glory. Uh, and apparently there's people in the comments, you can't do that, blah, 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 right? You get legal, you're going to get raided by the ATF. So his follow-up video basically said, like, I said I was going to do it. I'm still going to do it. Guess what? Um, I have my, you know, FFL, my SOT. I pay the government my fuck-off money. Right. And (laughs) his point was everything you want to do in this country is legal. If you pay off the right people. Mm -hmm. That's true. Mm -hmm. So you play in, you you want to do what you want to do. You play in their system. Go ahead. Cass. He has the, he has the license. He has the licenses to do it. To do what? To to, to build a gun out of Legos and, and make it full. Yeah. Oh, he, 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 well, they had that as well. They built the, they built one called the block 19. Uh, basically out of Legos, and you could attach Lego parts to it, but that's completely different. Um, I forget I, what the... Yeah, I mean, I guess it's funny, because, uh, I mean, I come from Colombia, and, I mean, we have to deal with guerrillas for many years, and this is like other armies within, inside the country that have power gun, and they just didn't mind, but again, like, Colombia wasn't strong, and, like, the Colombian army wasn't big enough or strong enough to stop them, and 
even now today they're not even strong enough not even the the u.s army because all of the money that you've been putting into oh geez into into, <laughs> into, into <laughs> colombia to to fight the the war truck so it's all, it's all our fault again <laughs> of course it is fault. of course it is the u.s the intervenes everywhere they can everything and fucks it up. everything they can everywhere yeah, they go totally and because you were saying what's the option and yeah i know i know my view is sometimes naive and highly optimistic because the other option is very painful and it's going to be a crash uh i i see next year the next three years we we highly likely gonna have another um economic crisis maybe worse than the one in 2008 um and it's just like people listening or uh to this podcast listening to the ideas we have to protect like prep uh, and i think that's the other option um than just promoting and I mean sure. doing activism, but what you say, like they're shutting us down. They're yeah, they they won't shut everyone quiet. down, right? I'm sh- they can't as, as they soon can. as Tether or any of those other stable coins get to a point where they're an actual threat, right? Or doing something fundamentally different that will undermine you know the use of the U.S. dollar, uh, you will see them step in. But if you go like, well, it's a cryptocurrency tied to the dollar. So it's not really undermining it. It's either, you know, it's either digital or physical dollars or, you know, bank, whatever. I'm sure that's why they're not too bothered by it. Uh, They're making examples out of it with everything that you're saying about this, uh, these Bitcoin miners that you were mentioning. Uh, They weren't even miners. They were just traders. They were just traders. Okay. It's the same with the Silk Roads uh, case. Uh, They're trying to make an example out of it to keep people away from the technology and, that well, simply it hasn't not worked. it hasn't worked yeah and it's not going to work so it's either what you're saying like they're not going to let us leave the system it's at, at one point they're not going to have enough numbers uh to do it and okay. i mean uh, uh, yeah i mean i want to think it hasn't worked but it it's it's definitely designed to have a chilling effect yeah right like we we don't maybe it's just because i don't roll in those circles anymore but there's not a new big silk road that popped up afterwards. There were several iterations, uh, but they all like came and went for the most part. And no one's willing, you know, no one's willing to isn't, put their isn't neck there, out though? There probably is. It's just there probably is. I mean, it's on the dark web, yeah. and and we're just not interested in it's it. It's so, so good. It's so good yeah. that we don't know about it. That's the point. <laughs> because it's the same with Pablo Escobar and all of this. Like, oh, there hadn't there hasn't been any other big uh, drug. Lore like Paolo right. is like no, there are many. The thing is that they're so good that we're not seeing at them. Yeah, right. Because cocaine and, and drugs are still flowing on the streets. So. But I was never that interested in the dark web stuff, and I was aware of the Silk Road, right? Like, it it opened think. on the regular web though, and that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Silk Web went down, and and the thing is, it did get replaced, but it, it got replaced by something that's better. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know if I'm convinced of that. Aside aside from the fact that no one that that I don't know about it. Because there mm-hmm. were, I remember several iterations of the Silk Road that tried to pop up afterwards, and they they were short lived and failed. And I don't know what iter- like I said, I don't know what iteration currently exists, but I do know that there were several there there were several known ones after that one was rated that did not uh, was not yeah. as good as the original. And so I do and, think, and, and maybe it's not even hosted in the U.S. Maybe, and that's mm-hmm. that's even the better. thing people people in the U.S. Th- you know think that we're the center of the world, but. Um, Wait, the world's not. a big place. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah I'm, it it would have to be. It would have to be hosted offsite. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, we did a <laughs> we did a story on Free Talk Live on Sunday. I'll just mention it briefly because it was funny as all hell. Um, 
lady gets busted for hiring um, a hitman to kill her ex-husband um, that she found at rentahitman.com or something like that. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Did you read that obvious? Or fi- <laughs> right. And part of the article that we read about that was, you know, she was aware. She was like, why aren't you on the dark web? Like, why are you, you know, so obviously in the in the light about this, not realizing that it was a honeypot? Um, so she went down. But... But she should have been, right? So, like, anything that shows up in the light is immediately skeptical, right? Like, or should be treated as such. Um, but, yeah, I just, you know, I I believe that the chilling effect, even if it's slight, does turn off a lot of normal people, right? Like yes, we, it does. We were talking, I was talking to a customer uh, who came into the shop from Massachusetts yesterday, and she was like, so can you smoke weed around here? I was like, um, like if you don't tell anyone, like you, <laughs> you can do what you want, you know. But it was it's legal in mass, right? And so the discussion got became like, well, if it were legal, who would do it? And like the the people who were are smoking weed um, now are likely going to be the people who smoke weed when it's legalized, right? Like I don't know how much overlap there is there, but there is going to be some people who, you know, because they value legality, won't even try it until it's legal. Right. They're like, oh, now that it's legal, I'll give it a chance. Right. And I think it's it's those people that these um, policies or 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 acts are effective against. Right. These are the these are the people that will be chilled out of whatever other things could benefit them because they don't want to run afoul of the law and therefore will never be on our side, on the activist side of things. There's another factor, too. If it's legal, then you're much more likely to qual- uh, to find quality and, you know, comparisons. And there's a whole lot of uh, quality factors that come into the commercial marketplace that aren't as available when it's in the black market. Yeah. I say as available. I suppose if you really know the market, then, but if you're a newcomer to it, um, you know, you just want to be able to um, trust so that if you get some bad stuff, you can, you can, uh, sue them or complain but you can't if it's uh, in the black market and it's also like two things there the first one if it's legal you can also do proper marketing yeah. actions like take actions to promote to create awareness brand awareness make the product sure. uh, fancy and appealing to the customer uh, for example the tobacco industry they can't i mean they're legal but they can't do as much promotion as they wish they could before like um and so that's another thing. But uh, with what you're saying with that valuing legality, uh, I noticed that here as well. And I don't know how unpopular this is going to be. Uh, but in Colombia, I feel people don't value legality as much as Americans do. Good. And mm. so there are many <laughs> black markets, and we just like we just don't care. Like there's this there's this park in in Medellin. Uh, I know people from Medellin listening know. I'm talking about and there's a police station there uh, and on the park everyone every night gathers to smoke weed and no one cares <laughs> you know and you have the dealer next to you and, and the policeman they're just like whatever but that's the only place in the city that you get to do that if you're doing that in other part of town um, especially if it's a tourist area like the police will uh, can can arrest you and put a fine yeah. or whatever do the police take a bribe if you to to yes of go? course yeah. i mean that's okay. the first thing i mean that's the first thing that you do <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but it's like it's like 
Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't value legality as much because I feel that the government has always been so bad at doing what it's supposed to do that we just like, ah, whatever, I'll, I'll do it myself. But here <laughs> at the Americans, I feel that you value more legality and right. and that's the pure pressure. But I feel that that goes a step beyond of saying these people feel safe and they're like, oh no, I'm feeling safe, but it's a false sense of safety. And I do feel that we need to wake up the minds of them and, and what you were saying on that yeah. activist part, no, they feel when you come with the ideas, they're like, oh no, my God, like you're crashing their dreams. Because uh, I've, I've, I've been in that part, like selling the ideas and promoting them. And so you crash their dreams. So then after that, you have to like comfort them and give them options. Right. Um, that's why I, I like to have an optimist. On, on, the weed in the, on the weed in the park thing, we did have, this was before my time here, um, there were 420 smokeouts in the in these uh, city square, and so like you know dozens, hundreds, whatever. I don't know how much they ever got. Uh, of people just go go into the square at 420 in the afternoon and smoke weed, right? Because they can't arrest us all, right? That was uh, the minute. Totally. But they did arrest the one black kid, right? Like they did they did <laughs> find course. the one black kid who was smoking with of everybody course. else, and they did arrest him. Um, <laughs> And so, like, a handful of the activists, like, migrated down to the police station. What, they uh, didn't shoot him? No, they just... Uh, <laughs> the but the, the activists migrated to the police station and smoked weed in the police station. They just, like, lit up and smoked out, like, chambered the police station in protest of, you know, them, them picking on the one black kid am, amongst everybody else. So, the, the strength in numbers thing is good, right? Like, the you know... They, they don't, the police don't care because it's, it's a losing battle that they'd have to fight if there's that many people doing it. Yeah. And, if, and it's a person, we have to remember, remember, it's a person on the other side. So a policeman has to evaluate, am, am I strong enough to get into this fight with <laughs> these many people? Like, no, I have better things to do, like to whatever mm -hmm. the right. you want. Like and, and this is where I get in trouble because I believe that they have to be reminded of this as frequently as possible. Yes. Right? Like that's, you know, they have to know that the, the, the people that they're oppressing are willing to push back. And if they push too hard, right, their life is on the line. And as they're patrolling the streets, they need to feel that. They need to know, like, if I overstep my bounds, I may not make it home to my family tonight. And that would keep the police, the politicians, the government, the state agents closer in line until they can be overthrown completely. Definitely. Ironically, the, the, the decision makers on these things are distant from the street. They don't, I mean, that's like in any war. Um, the decision makers are safe in their bunker while the, you know, the tools are the ones um, carrying it out. Again, maybe where you're at. But here, the activists know where the governor's address. And so when the COVID <laughs> lockdown started, they showed up across the street on the sidewalk with signs yeah. and bullhorns and just, I'm going to say, harassed the hell out of him, right? To the point where he's got his brother-in-law who was on the city council for that area to pass an ordinance saying you can't loiter in the neighborhood. <laughs> so they, they knew, right? The, the protesters scheduled it. They planned it out. There was police patrol on the other side there, so it, it didn't get violent. Um, but they, you know, they 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 have to be made acutely aware that they have a stake in this, and they can't just boss people around. Wonderful, yeah. But but I feel there's another thing here, at least in the U.S., 
that add to that problem, and that's the herd mentality. I saw this meme on Instagram saying they don't want herd immunity; they want a herd mentality. <laughs> and I'm really scared of that of of that as well because it's people blindly believing on government and putting pressure on us who don't want to play this game anymore. And they're saying, "Oh my God, you're not vaccinated! Oh no, like trust the chill. science. You're 25. You're 25. Like, and you're healthy. Like." The hell, like, oh, oh you you're wear a mask, and it's like the peer pressure on young people, it's it's insane. Like, they completely brainwashed so many young kids, yeah, that it's insane. It's like, I, I, I don't believe that, and that's what really worries me. Like, that that uh, pressure because they're the ones that are going to be voting harder, and of us taking action, they're going to be the one shaming us. and. Right. I actually enjoy shaming them, saying like, no. Well, see, and and again, you should come visit here because I want to say not here. This was, it was a weird flex by the Free State Project. Uh, they put out like a post on social media that basically said like, uh, you know, New Hampshire has like the highest COVID breakout rate in the country and the government response is nothing. <laughs> I, go like, I go like weird flex, but okay, like let's run with that, right? Because... You know, I was I was talking to a friend. I think I shared this uh, here last week or the week before. I was talking with a friend, and we we're talking about like you know Christmas plans, right? And like you know, what do you usually do during Christmas? And I was like, well, I usually go to Texas, but I didn't go last year. I'm like, well, why didn't you go last year? And she was like, oh, because of COVID. I went, oh yeah, fucking COVID. Like that's still a thing. Like in my mind, that's not even a thing anymore. Um, <laughs> Because no one cares around here anymore, and specifically the people that I hang out with don't care. Like, you know, say what you want about the governor and the protests in front of his place, but he's like, yep, no no, no COVID, no uh, vaccine mandates are allowed like against, against the law there. Um, no one, you know, there's a handful of people, you know, in, in the beginning, right, when it, like, you know, March of, of 2020 or whatever, um, when, it, when it first started, there was like maybe 5% of people wearing their stupid masks in the grocery store. And then as it got worse, there was, you know, like 95, 99. I was like the only guy not wearing a mask in the grocery store. And now it's cycled back around to only a handful of people are wearing masks again, at least around here, right? Like we went out to dinner. I was like, yeah, yeah, masks are encouraged. But the only people wearing masks were staff, right? <laughs> and it's probably a bullshit company policy that they're having to follow or whatever. Uh but regular customers around, like it's it's as back to normal as I think we're gonna get for at least the short term, um, because not everyone is, has taken their mask off. Um, but it, it kind of caught me by surprise that you know New Hampshire's still like a breakout state, and there's literally no one cares anymore here. ML, you got to see um, this guy's mask. It's it's full over. Is it metal? Is it carbon steel or something like that? Uh, uh, it's a high density polymer plastic. Yeah, you know, with with two little isolates, uh, yeah, and and a microphone, so he sounds a little bit like Darth Vader. Like Darth Vader. <laughs> and that's crazy. I mean. And I wore that thing more in Hawaii in the week that I was there than I have the entire time I've had I've had yeah, it up New here Hampshire. in New Hampshire. Yeah, in in Colombia is the same. I mean, at least before I came here in Medellin, actually a friend of mine. I mean, we were out every day, and you guys were at, at the, uh, in in Colombia for. For the conference, so you saw like mm. the, the state of things, and but now they're requiring the vaccination card to dine 
to go dining and to go yeah. dancing and to go to a club. And it's like, dude, we've been doing this for six months. <laughs> With right. no vaccination card. Like, right. why are you asking this now? And, like, and it reason, makes no sense. The reason why is because they can. And that's, right. the, that's the authority part that needs to go. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, well, now that the vaccine exists, we can implement, you know, our will on you. It's like, well, you know, I was fine without the vaccine. Why now? Well, it's just because there's a whole bunch of uh, creeps out there that are control freaks. And... Those are the ones in power. So I don't, I don't know the solution to that. Yeah. Um, Even control that, freaks are going to control freaks. So <laughs> I had a friend yeah. who was planning to visit from Hawaii and she was like, uh, I got my vaccine. Uh, I know my sister is using like, you know, one of those fake vaccine passports. I'm like, yeah. you were doing too much. Like you don't That's need any of that. The, here. The, the, yeah. Just the land vaccine passport. Yeah. Just <laughs> land and get off the plane and go about your business. As you would anywhere else, pre-COVID. Yeah, the mainland is so different yeah, than to, to here come to right Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, I had to fill out a thingy and take a COVID test, and and in California, it's insane. Like, I, I want to go to New Hampshire, and I'm excited to go to Arizona and 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 Texas because well, California was insane. I was depressed. Come to New Hampshire last, because you may not want to <laughs> leave, and that'll be the end of your trip. California is the worst. <laughs> Hawaii is so bad. Like, Hawaii is probably second. <laughs> worse than California. But California. Yeah, how's, they, how's California they don't close worse? close the borders to people coming in without a, I mean, you can drive across the border without, without being. You can drive across the border, but once you get inside the border, if you want to go to a restaurant yeah. and you have to show yeah. your Vax card. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you, if you want to go to a show, actually I had, I had just one dose of Moderna and I, ha- I have a vaccination Sorry card. to hear that too. I know, and I I didn't. I'm hesitant to take the second one, to take it or not to take it. Uh, and I was going to a show, and the guy didn't want it to let me in because I didn't have the second dose. <laughs> and even though I I got the first dose on August, and he let in people who had I don't know any other of the vaccines in February. So I, I mean, in theory and according to numbers, I'm more protected than they are. But <laughs> yeah. they were still like, and it was this nerdy dude, like just like a control freak. And I was saying, dude, and he was like, no, you're Colombia, you can't come in. And he's like, you're picking me. I mean, like, this is, I mean, people creating crazy control yeah. things to, and also to just get off their ego. You know, it's also like they use it to, to, to yeah, to get off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so self righteous because they they figure that they're. They're saving the rest of the people of the of the planet because you might be a carrier and you may hurt yourself. That's okay, but you might hurt everybody else by this. So this yeah. is the, the the broad justification for it. We're protecting the whole of society from you. That was the insidious part early on. That was like the yeah. narrative that they pitched them very early mm-hmm. on. Well, thankfully, there's a new variant out there, and <laughs> the, the vaccines don't currently protect against the new variant. So uh, it. You know, it should make I, I everybody. Read they th- did. I read they did like the people in hospitals having the new, allegedly, the new variant. Yeah, uh, didn't have the vaccine, but I don't know if they're also using that to push. That's what. That's a lie. It's a lie. No, because the the new var- the new variant is so much different from the old one that the vaccines don't aren't effective. So it doesn't matter. Everybody's going to get so lockdowns variant. again. Everybody except for people who had it naturally and got over it, like uh, oh. yours truly. And me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, by the way, I've had it, I've had it, yeah. I've had it already, but... There was one social media post insane. that said, like, uh, Delta and Omicron is like an anagram 
for yes, media yes, control. Yes, yes, lady, lady, lady voluntary. She, okay. I, I don't know, yeah. I saw that on, on her profile, but, but it's spelled media control. And it's, I mean, it, it totally is. It, it feels like a video game. It feels like a weird reality. <laughs> like when, when I think about the time during quarantines that we have to go out just one person per household and it was only three people on the <laughs> supermarket and oh my God, we're going to die. And now we're here. <laughs> And it's like, please let, let's stop taking. I mean, I can I can't have this anymore. And even to think like that, we now have to say during quarantines, during the pandemic, and now that's that point in time that we can refer to, like before the before COVID. It's insane and it's crazy. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Like that that doesn't even register to me anymore because it was so not a thing here for the most short lived. Like people, yeah. people just stopped it pretty quick um and the thing was like when it first happened i was i made my prediction i said oh wow this could kill you know maybe one percent of the population of the earth and then i we had a two-week lockdown and i did my research and i found out that's complete bs and it's not going to be that bad and everybody's freaking out for nothing ah but people died there was some tragedy and most mostly yeah we talked about it already yeah well ml wasn't here for it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Colombia, for example, in Bogota, uh, we have a leftist mayor, Claudia Lopez. And actually, in Colombia, they closed very early. We didn't have that many cases. Uh, hospitals weren't um, bad, like, um, at capacity. Okay. Uh, but she decided to close down really early on. And she was like, no, we're going to close down early so that we can prep the emergency rooms and the hospitals and we're going to buy this many beds and we're going to have this many, uh, how you call them? The mask. The, the, ma- the, the respiratory. Yeah, respiratory. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the two incubators. The, the, the incubators, <laughs> uh, incubators, all of this. Like we're going to invest all of this. And people are like, yes, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part and stay home. La la la. And six, three months later, they didn't invest in any hospital beds. Right. They didn't invest in any incubators, respirator, anything. It yeah. was the same. And some hospitals were at capacity, uh, but it was, and no one, I mean, no one held her accountable of this. And she's still not. making crazy, crazy decisions. Yeah. And, and it's, that's, that's the same thing that happened in the U.S. too. They, they were, even in, in Hawaii, they were, they were shutting down because they didn't have capacity but the smart thing to do would be to increase capacity. And they never did. And they're spending money just on making uh, awareness campaigns with huge banners or on social media or paying news, news outlets to, to say certain things, because let's be honest, I mean, that's also a business and they're just selling to the highest, uh, be, uh, the highest bet. And, and, and there was probably it's, lobbying against Yeah, of course, that's capacity. my point. It's lobbying. Yeah. To, yeah. to open up a new hospital for years, they've been trying to open up a new hospital on, on Maui, for example, Kaiser, but they run up against the same thing. You've got to get a certificate of need, which has to be approved by the competition. Which the is bizarre. There, the hospital there says, no, we're, we're, we have plenty of capacity. We don't need a competitor in there. So, of course, the state stands in the way of all of these new facilities that could be opening up. And so while they're talking about a lack of capacity now, of course, it was their rules that, that stood in the way of an expanded capacity all along. Yeah. And I remember early on, like, China did, like, the triage centers, the, the tent hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, China has a, 
has a zero COVID policy now, so you're not allowed to get COVID there. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was North Korea, right? Like one case, then zero cases, then one case. No, they, they, China had their, their surge early in 2020, and then since then, uh, they've been reporting zero cases. Okay. I've read that. Amazing. I've read that. You know, since everybody's uh, finances are done on their who believes iPhone, that through WeChat, <laughs> that that if you don't get your vaccination, they just shut down your all your accounts and your your iPhone. You're essentially stuck without access to any of your finances or resources. Then, yeah. uh, until you do what they tell. But if I if I told you that uh, if if you get COVID, um, you're going to go to to go to a prison where they don't feed you and you're going to die there, um, you would just not get COVID. If you got sick, you would just not let them know <laughs> because yeah. you'd, you'd die. <laughs> well, that, that's kind of what I did. I, I got it. And there was like a couple of people that knew I had it, but I like, you know, didn't miss a day of work because it wasn't bad enough. And I was like, I'm just, you know. L- listen to my story. I got COVID uh, twice. Uh, the second time that I had it was November 2020. And a friend, I was hanging out with some friends and they came back to me like, hey, we tasted positive. We have it. So you should take the test. Um, that was a week ago. Like we met like a week ago and they was they were telling me this. So I went to take the test and it came back negative. Funny thing. Three, I mean, the next day after I got the results, I had all the symptoms. <laughs> I lost like the taste, everything. I, I was sick. Smell, yeah. But the, but I tested negative. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a skeptic of the test. I of think when, when you get tested, you're going to be around somebody who's around a whole bunch of other people with COVID. And you're more likely to get, <laughs> get COVID it. getting the test than not getting yeah. the test. Yeah. <laughs> well, luckily, when I did have to get the test to go back to Hawaii, it was a drive through like Walgreens. Yeah. yeah I so, did one of those. Yeah. I was, drive, I was the only one in the car. Was, it's pretty neat. Whatever. Do what they up? use the same swab in, in testing every person? <laughs> there you go. I don't know. <laughs> like, you look healthy. I'm going to use the same, the same test. And it's funny. I took the test in, in LA, and you have to do it yourself. Oh, wow. And in Colombia, like, there's a nurse, like, doing the test for you. Yeah. So I was, like, so lost. Like, what am I? I'm, I'm paying $80 <laughs> to, to do this to myself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you for real? Well, <laughs> it's, it's so better sad. that way. Uh, you know, to be honest, because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I know some people are like, wow, they, you know, they touch my brain with the stupid cotton swab. Yes, <laughs> they, they do. They, do. They, they, they don't even let you know. It's but, like, but when they did it, when I did it myself at the drive through, I just I ran that thing like as low, you know, to the end of my nostril as I could. And that was the end of it. Uh, and I, well, I have I have a conspiracy. How do they theory. know you you did? I mean, can you just no, they watch me. Through the they, tell you, or is it, they tell you like, put your head back. Oh. And I was like, not putting it that far. He was like, no. More and I was like, okay, is that okay? It's like, yeah, and I just like rub it in for ten seconds or whatever. And yeah, more, no. put your head back. They watched me through the drive-through. I just did a couple swirls around like the lower part of my nostril, and that was it. But I did have I have a conspiracy theorist friend who's like, well, don't put the cotton swab in your nose if you can get away with it. I go, okay, <laughs> like well, I yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I kind of want to know what your thought process is. And he goes like, well. It's not really about giving them your DNA and your you know, your data. It's you don't know what's on the end of that cotton swab that they're now putting into you. Yeah, <laughs> that's 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 my fear. That's the conspiracy theorist. In yeah, me. I'm like, totally. I I, the thing I is, went, I don't want it. You know, I you know maybe I'd be interested if I, if I if I was sick already to find out if it's COVID or not. But other than that, I don't want to be involved in it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want your vaccine. I don't want your cotton swab. 
Like, leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't even take the test when I had COVID. I just know that it was COVID. Yeah. Because it felt like it. And the guy who gave it to me, like, tested positive. I go, well, you tested positive. I'm now sick. Everyone else is sick. It, it's got to be it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I ain't telling anybody. I'm just going to go and do my thing. Take care of yourself. That's it. And it was Stop a, the spread. <laughs> Save no, the world. No, no. See? Shoot, shoot yourself. <laughs> here's here's why I'm at on that too, right? I, I've said this on here, I believe, as well. Get it and spread it and let, let God sort them out. And I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. I like uh, uh, ML's uh, T-shirt. What's your T-shirt say? Socialism distancing. <laughs> yeah, that'll work too. <laughs> Socialism distancing. They used to be the Enjoy Capitalism T-shirt that looked like the, you know the Coca-Cola stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, I have yeah. I have a pencil with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was I was wearing that in California when I was coming here on the airport, and I took off my sweater and I got some like weird looks and I was like, Am I doing something wrong? Like I'm Colombian here. Am I doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing? And then I was like, Oh no! Yeah, violating intellectual property. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna probably wear it. No, I just, I just like the idea. You know, even with the Omicron variant, right? They go like, you know, more transmissible, uh, not as deadly. I go, okay, good. Get it and spread it, right? Yeah. Just yeah. everyone get Let's it. Get this over with. Get it over so with. This, this one represents closer to what the common cold is, and that's what coronavirus used to be before they enhanced it. Um, enhanced. And so, and so now. Uh, uh, kids are getting it now. Um, with each new variant, uh, it's getting more transmissible to kids. So kids are getting uh, and and spreading uh, the disease that is normally spread around by kids. So, um, oh so no, whatever will they do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, now would be the time, I guess, to lock down schools. But at the same time, like there, that's part of life is getting these. Uh, viruses and spreading them getting over them that's that's how our immune systems get better um and that, and that's another thing that you know the uh, nurses they found out nurses are less susceptible to dying from covid um because they've got you know excellent immune systems because they're always around sick people yeah um and so and now they're trying to tell them they can't they can't work without a vaccine it's like no they've been doing it this whole time without yep. a vaccine um you should let them do what they want and because they're the ones helping people. We've yeah, got they're the we've, ones on the on the line seeing and addressing the the actual threat day to day. And it's uh, it's the same with everything, with drugs, with labor markets, with everything. These crazy dudes on power, they're locked up in an office thinking they know everything about the world and they're not on the reality of things. I had an interesting experience years ago when I worked in Washington, D.C., I had a reason to go over to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. It was a gigantic building in the biggest room that I've ever seen with hundreds of little cubicles all over. You could look out across all the cubicles. And every person there working in the Environmental Protection Agency had a picture of a nature scene on their wall. You know, like that was their life. That was their nature. That was their environment they were taking care of from their cubicle. I thought this was such a... Uh, an ironic contrast, and of course that's that's true of all the government uh, bureaucracies. They're they're managing the world from a, an artificial environment of their own. Well, because they face no repercussions, right? They they're not accountable to anybody. Yeah. So yeah. they can that's do right. and say whatever they want, and again, if if the citizenry isn't going to hold them accountable, 
then they can act with impunity on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Joe Rogan recently said, why isn't anybody being held accountable? And I think that's mm -hmm. uh, a big problem. Um, Did anyone answer you know, him? I, because they don't have to be. No. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't have to be. You know the answer, Joe, it's because they have the guns. Okay. Right. And so that's, that's the worst of it. Uh, the, this whole idea that there's, there's people that are in power, they, they have the, the authority to make decisions for us. Even, and even when they're wrong, um, there's no accountability because, well, somebody has to make the decisions, right? And <laughs> I say, no, I say, let everybody make up their own minds. Yeah. So someone has to make it. It should be the individual. Yeah. Right? Taking, taking their own responsibility. I mean, if you're going to have to take on the heat and the repercussions, might as well you be the one making the yeah. decision. And yeah. even even the, in the threat of uh, a virus, it's like, okay, there's this virus and there's all these, these people out there getting and spreading the virus. It's like, okay, we'll stay home until they all die or get over it. And, and when you feel safe, then you can come out. You, know, you don't have to lock everybody else down just because you're afraid. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that's what the, the vaccine people want now, right? The mandate people. Yeah. You're, I, want, yeah. I want to be free and I'm not going to go out until you're locked up you anti-vaxxers, because you're going to spread it to me even though I have the vaccine. Yeah, yeah that's and that's completely idiotic. Yeah, and they're completely <laughs> disconnected from reality. Yeah. Uh, again, in Latin America, uh, at least in Colombia, the majority of people rely on informal jobs, and many of those jobs involved uh, being out on the street selling stuff or doing stuff, and the lockdowns, that just goes against, like, it's killing more people, mm -hmm. that, like, the mandates that the actual virus. And the solution for them is like, oh, no, let's just give them more money. And it's like, okay, where are you getting this money from? And then you just suffocate people or print more money like the U.S. is going to do to keep giving them money. And on the long run, we know this doesn't work, but people are completely disconnected from reality and from the repercussions, right. the, the results. And I've, I've said before, it's because... Those in charge, the politicians, whether they'll admit it in the media or not, right? They there is a level of acceptable death that they're okay with. Mm -hmm. It's just they want to pick and choose who they put at risk, right? So if you take the vaccine and you die, that's an acceptable risk. If they lock you down and your depression kicks in and you commit suicide, that's an acceptable death, mm -hmm. right? But if you if you, you know, if you do all that, you're fine, then you're fine. But what they want to, who they want to die is the people that resist their orders, uh -huh, right? Totally, the people who won't totally. lock down, the people who won't get the vaccine, right? Those and are the people the that they want to risk. Pity, pity men, a bunch of cowards. Of course. Who are not willing to, to take on the responsibility or be upfront about what they're doing. And it's just like, that's not the type of leaders that we deserve, that we need to have today well i don't i don't need any of under, them today under under ever. under bullshit yeah or ever because they're pity men and the system it's it's um rewarding this type of um behavior this bad really bad behavior of uh cowards yeah that's uh, that's the word here's a here's a quick meme uh, or you know from from social media if you watch tv you're in the middle of a deadly pandemic if you don't, it's Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally, yes. I yes. one time noticed this conversation going on. There were, there were four of us. And 
two who didn't smoke or drink, and that was me and this other guy. And then the other two who smoked and drank a lot. They were they were standing there with their alcohol and their and their cigarettes. And the two who were smoking and drinking were arguing adamantly for drug controls. And and the other guy and I were arguing against drug controls. And I think that it, it told me this sort of suggestion that people who are advocating for drug controls or the controls of the disease or the vaccine and all that are people who don't trust themselves to make judgments for themselves. They really do believe that... that um, Politicians whom they don't trust either, when they get together into a, a, a big hall, they become, it's sort of like a, a magic mix that, that comes out with something good for everybody. Um, and they need that. They, they need Big Brother and Big, big Mama, Big Daddy to, to tell them what to do. And, and, and I think that's just fundamental in people's upbringing. You know, so many people are capable of thinking for themselves and trusting their own judgment and most of the people are not. And I think that probably a big part of that is from their education system that it teaches people you, you're not even uh, capable of handling anything about your life for the first 12 years of school. You have to be sitting there and you're in a dictatorship. A teacher tells you everything to do. You're learning obedience. And this was the purpose of the early education system to teach obedience, not to teach any lessons of life, but obedience and, and following rules, um, dictatorial it's not a democracy at all you're not really taught to think for yourself and they're just carrying out what the government has intended all along right well and that i you nailed it right there that it stems from the education but it also highlights how effective the government education system is in getting exactly what it's designed to get Mm -hmm. right an obedient population who will turn on each other at the drop of a hat but i feel it's being less and less effective Uh, i had a really bad time during my school years, even in university, I I went to both a private school and a public school when I was studying, and um, Catholic school and then public school, so not a good mix. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I feel that more people are, like in my generation at least, again, in Colombia, Latin America, um, they're not happy with all of it. And because of that education, we were sold into this reality that doesn't exist obey and everything will be okay if you play by the rules by our rules that we created and in this system you'll be successful and many young people uh, i mean at least millennial and exennials as well are crashing into this reality that they play by the rules they did what society and what government expected of them and they're depressed and they have no money they're back trump and so they're saying this is not the way to go. And they're looking for new alternatives. And that's when we, uh, we have to step up and keep, and keep sharing uh, the ideas and uh, be more stronger because more people, I feel, today are asking for other solutions because they hit the dead end. As other, like the baby boomers and the American dream and all of this, they got their house, they got their happy family. We are not getting that because the system, again, is not working anymore. Yeah. So keep keep sharing that uh, information with them. Keep being optimistic, right, about it, and hopefully keep prepping for the best. Uh, final thoughts? No, thanks. Aloha. All right, that'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchistexperience, 
Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Now you say it, Chaos. Aloha. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs>